0: Building Years Podcast the with Justin Alexio Justin and, Alexio. and Jeremiah, Watkins. Jeremiah Watkins. New episodes every Wednesday. Every Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Building Years, guys. This is Jeremiah Watkins. It's Justin Alexio. And oh man, I'm sweating with joy and excitement for our, our guest that we have <laughs> right now terror. with us. He, uh, he is um, the Jewish heartthrob on NBC's Undateable, and uh, a good friend, a fellow comedian, actor, improviser, writer, even more. Please welcome the one, the only, Rick Glassman to the program. Hey, man. Thank
1: you. You said even more at a place where you couldn't think of more. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> have to say even more. You could have uh, just...
2: No, I, I, there's plenty All more. Right, right, tell, I me, can... tell me some more. I was going to jump in and say Beautiful Sun.
1: Thank you so much, but that goes with the teenage, with the, uh, the uh, Jewish heartthrob.
0: Would stylish be included right. in that? I was wrong. You were right. I'm sorry. Basketball player? Very good. We just shut this down. Also a guest on At Midnight? Yeah. Yeah. So I had some others, but I mean, I didn't want to ramble on. <laughs> no, along again, that. that was on me. I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, thanks. I
1: actually just told you beforehand that I had a coffee today, and uh, <laughs> and I'm taking this new protein that has caffeine in it. So I have two come downs right now, Yeah, and I'm feeling like I'm like I – f- I f- I I'll tell you exactly how I feel. I have the confidence of I've accomplished a lot, but the energy of, but I already did it. <laughs> so I'm done. You know what I mean? I yeah. feel like the way Brad Pitt f- feels after he bowls a 300. It's like There's he's nothing, cool, yeah. but it's like I'm done. <laughs> I got nothing to prove to you. Yeah. Not, but it's not a prove. I have nothing to offer. So my dad is here. He just came in from out of town, so I might have to hand it to him if I need a little help. Yeah. Say hi, dad.
3: Hi, Dad. Oh, oh nice. That's the yeah. first joke of the <laughs> okay. Yeah,
0: I see where you get the the comedy chops from. Thanks, man. What do you where? Are you saying my dad? <laughs> yeah, for yeah, he's dad. very funny. Yeah, you told him that it's a classic joke. You can yeah. say hi, Dad. He said hi, Dad. Yeah,
1: no, he knows what he's doing. He yeah, he's, he didn't have any coffee today, <laughs> but he just flew in. And boy, am I tired. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, I have been working on. Uh, boy or my arms tired joke for over five years, and I have y- thanks, man. My dad says ten. <laughs> he, he has he killed it with the first joke, and now he <laughs> said a, he said a specific that meant nothing to the second joke.
0: <laughs> now he's getting greedy for the. <laughs> now last he's time. getting greedy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh uh, like, like, father like son. <laughs> He's like, son, could I uh, could I have that mic for a second? <laughs> yeah, I just got
1: a laugh, and now it's about me. <laughs> I get it.
0: What That would be a crazy meta podcast <laughs> where we invite people and in, in their parents <laughs> onto the show, uh-huh. and then we slowly phase out the guests sure. and then just put it on their parents. It's called The Apple
1: Does or Does Not Fall Far From the Tree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's start it right after this. All right. Uh, how long have you uh, now, where are you originally from, Rick? You didn't like the how long question? No, huh? I didn't like it. Yeah, no. You transitioned. Down. I, uh, yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland, and uh, where? When you were in Cleveland, I mean, so nervous. The way you're talking to me right now, uh, <laughs> like you're reading it, but there's nothing you're reading. I'm actually. I have a teleprompter right behind <laughs> you. Oh, you do? That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a guy with the cue cards that just ran. <laughs> the into cue the cards other room. even says so. so how Red long? There, where are you from? Um, <laughs> the the us are even in there and everything. When did you start doing comedy? Um. I started performing
1: comedy right when I graduated college, uh, so uh, beginning of 2007, mm-hmm. and I was doing stand-up every here and there. A lot of like bringer shows. I would do one show this month. I would go a month without performing. I would do two five-minute sets. Uh, I, was most, I was doing a lot of improv, too. Um, I don't consider myself starting stand-up until I moved out to L.A., though.
0: Yeah. Now, when, it, when you were back in Cleveland doing stand-up, was it anything even remotely close to what you're doing now? <laughs> His dad's cell phone. Just went off. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah.
1: You have you? Did you ma- did you make up that ring? <laughs> uh, what? I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. I had some protein. It's, a, it's okay. <laughs> it's the protein. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Was it anything like I don't know? I mean, I guess I, I guess I, I still sucked. <laughs> there was a lot of I was doing. A, I was very experimented. Mm-hmm. I uh, I did a lot of stuff where I didn't know the conjugates of experiment. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, but no, not the same. Um, I would do jokes about Emmer Lagasse <laughs> And uh, impre- do, you, do you remember? It, of course.
0: Like, oh, please, please tell. <laughs> okay. Please tell My dad Emeril probably Lagasse. knows it.
1: Yeah. Okay. My parents love the Schwarzenegger joke where it's just my impression of Arnold stubbing his toe and I just make a bad noise. Um what what was it? It was um I saw I talked about some, something about how how uh how people get so excited for Emerald, it doesn't matter what he does and then I would set up a couple of examples that people have seen Emerald do like, you know, I'll put this raspberry torta in at 350 degrees for 20 minutes and they go bam and everyone would go, "Oh, I got go to get a bam." And then uh I would just you know, I would, I would take it to a new place. Uh, I would say, could you imagine if... And then, you know, fill in the blanks, for example. He could go into a laundromat and said, I'd like to get these clothes cleaned." And then I go, bam. And then people are like, oh, wow, I love how he got his clothes clean. And I would do a, a Dane Cook, you know, uh, this is how... I'm a woman, so this is how I talk voice because I was very inspired. Um, that actually sounds... Whenever you say that, that is like a good Dane Cook impression. I used to... Before I knew who Dane Cook was... Um, people would tell me all the time I sound like him. Really? I, I always play basketball, and at college I would play, and I would I always talk shit. And uh, I was I guess I was being funny, but I wasn't like telling jokes. I was just like talking shit. And yeah. people, would, people would just call, all right, Dan Cook. And I didn't even know who he was. I found out who he was because people said that, and I looked him up. And I thought, this guy sounds like me, and it made me really like him. <laughs> if I'm serious, I'm sure I would have liked him. Anyway. He, I, think, right. I thought he was so funny, but there was something about him where it's like, oh, this guy sounds like me.
0: I've since met him. Good color, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> what What was your, your meeting uh, him experience like? Was uh, it just very like, "Oh, hey, I'm Rick"? Or, um, or did you guys have a chance? to I don't like, think talk I've, I've ever met bit.
1: anybody and said, "Oh, hey, I'm Rick." Because <laughs> to do that, you have to give your greeting before the introduction, and that's rude. Uh, you would say, "Yeah," you say, "Oh," if, if someone asks you something, if someone asks you something, they know who you are, right? Like, if you were to say – I, I wouldn't knock on your door to ask if I could use – borrow some sugar and be like, oh, hey, I'm Rick, as if you expected, oh, hey.
0: Is, am I going to find something funny out of this? <laughs> <laughs> I get what I you're saying. I, I, I get what you're saying. I also thought of – I was trying to think of a situation where that would happen while you were – Yeah, there would never be an, oh, hey, I'm Rick. You already know – if I ever well, tell someone, oh, hey, they already know my
1: name. Otherwise, you just say hi. The O is – and, and always like a, oh, by the way, which is adding something to the already created relationship that exists.
0: But what if, let's say hypothetically, somebody was about to introduce you, but then they, they didn't? And so you're like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm Rick. All right, so let's act this out. Uh, let's act this out. So so go ahead. See, your dad is uh, is pointing to me like this. Let's kid's th- on to something. Do it, do it. Uh, introduce me and then don't introduce me. Okay, so uh, introduce me here yeah. and then don't introduce me. Okay, cool. So um uh this is my buddy. Oh, as I was saying uh mm-hmm. the other day, whenever I was uh, tying my shoe, I got uh I lost my phone.
1: You lost your phone How? and you're tying your shoe? Oh, what's up, man? I'm Rick.
3: <laughs> oh, you're right! <laughs> you're right! That
0: <I> <laughs>
1: you're right. <laughs> Well, anyway, I saw him at the Laugh Factory. I said, oh, hey, I'm Rick. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we, became, you know, we became friends since then. Have you played basketball
0: with Dan Cook? Um, I bowled was, with him, and yeah. I played ping pong with him. I hear that he's like a phenomenal ping pong player. Is that true? He's pretty good. Yeah. But have
1: you heard about my bowling?
0: No. It's re- I, I've heard that you're a very good bowler. Thanks,
1: man. You've you, 300s? Um, I bowled a 288 once. Oh, wow. I had first 10 strikes. I was two away from a perfect game. I didn't choke. I got an eight and then picked it up.
3: <laughs>
0: your dad is
1: the best. Ed, Ed oh, he's man, great. Right he's great away. color, except for when he does number bits. <laughs> um, I know your audience can't see it, but they could check out my Instagram at uh, Rick Glassman to find this video I'm about to show you. Um, and you could keep talking to me while I'm pulling this up because I don't know how long it'll take. But I got a cool slow motion strike video I want to show you.
0: Oh, I think I I, I think I follow. That I think I, I've seen it, but you right. should you should play. Just well, as cool. So you guys, are it's it's really good. Your leg, you did the leg you have kicks perfect bomb. Yeah, you have the leg. That I pump my spine. fist
1: when the pins fall to make it look like I punched the pins. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you could get fucked by bowling, that's the video that could get me fucked. Oh, totally! It's a cool look. Like it's, it's like a oh, panty
0: a- dropper for for uh, bowlers. Yeah, for, for bowlers,
1: sure. if you could look hot bowling a strike, which you can, and I do, <laughs> then make it slow motion and make sure to do a good fist pump at the right time. Oh, absolutely! F P A T R T fist pump at the right time. That's what we say.
0: <laughs> wow, that's some. You have some acronym skills.
1: Y H S A S. They you would say. Acron- yeah. Oh. yeah. So you H, guys H, are, H, 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 H
2: You guys are Cleveland boys. How do you guys feel about LeBron? I'm so curious.
3: Dad, take it. You may not know this, but when Rick was a senior in high school, he guarded LeBron.
2: Oh. They so played, he did
3: he do good? Yeah, he did real well. LeBron just dunked in his face like three times. <laughs> but but he was he made the ESPN Sports Center highlights. Really? You know what? I, you know, you know what's
1: funny about my dad? Let me take this real quick. Okay. I not only did that not happen to me, and that happened to my my one of my best friends, Jeff Carp, he he couldn't my dad couldn't find something good that I did, so he had to find something else that someone else did that was bad, but still better than what I did. Like, well, at least he did this bad thing, but I didn't even get to do that bad thing. I just got to I just got to touch him when I boxed out for a foul shot. It was my friend that got an ESPN for getting LeBron's dick in his face. I was gonna ask you if that was the first thing you put on your reel when you moved the <laughs> Funny. Um, I do have I do have some good background footage of me doing always sunny in Philadelphia um on my reel. Oh yeah? Yeah.
0: Nice. But we, no LeBron, that's a good thing to add. Was that the first thing that you added to your reel was the it's always sunny thing?
1: No, I made that after I had actually worked. I made a a, a funny like background reel where it's like here's my stuff and it's just me doing <laughs> background work. Our last <laughs> guest really John DeWaltz uh uh or I don't know if it was your last guest but you know John. Yeah. Body,
0: he's, yeah. He's good.
1: Previous guest, thank you. Yeah, same. Uh, he and I met doing background work on Angels and Demons, right That's, when I first moved out here.
0: Yeah, he t- he told us that, and he also told us that he didn't talk to you for like a year because he thought that you beat,
1: beat Kayla. Win- yeah, yeah. We were at Lolly's house um, uh, when I first moved out here. I was staying at my aunt's house, and um, my dad, who sells area rugs, I think you'll understand my my frustration. Um, <laughs> this is a very nice house, and they have very nice, expensive custom rugs. How much is Lolly's the living room rug? What would we say that cost?
3: Oh, at least one episode of...
1: Say the Not good at number jokes. <laughs> just give a fucking
3: price, Dad. Yeah. I suck on number yeah. jokes. just how much would you say the rug costs? I don't know, 15000 Oh,
1: that's one episode, please. That's an hour of work, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he uh, It's $15,000. Would you say it's really about that? I don't lie on this show. Yeah, you did. You said that I got dunked on and it was Jeff. You already lied. I don't lie. Okay, well $15,000 rug. Okay, so we're watching a movie and my uh, ex-girlfriend of mine spills a glass of water on the rug. Hey, that didn't make me angry. That happens. But she just says, oops, and picks up the glass and puts it on the table. I'm sitting there thinking to myself two things. First oops. And second, get some fucking towels. <laughs> so she doesn't get anything. And I look at her, giving her the opportunity the same way when I hold a door open for someone, and they don't say thank you. Before I give a passive aggressive, you're welcome. I'll let them take a couple steps past me. Them to realize, oh, you're welcome. Before I go, you're welcome. So she <laughs> didn't, she didn't decide to do anything. So I said, hey, get a towel. Now, I could have gotten it for her. I'm the type of person that will get something for someone. I will hold a door open. I will open a door for somebody. I will go get someone water if they ask for it. That's not the point. For the same reason that I don't mind spending a dollar to get what I want, but if you charge me a dollar for barbecue sauce, you gotta tell me up top. I'm not gonna pay for it. It's the principle of the thing. So when you spill water, and the only acknowledgement you do is an oops, get the fucking towel. So, she gets up. She gets paper towels. The only reason I pluralize it is because of the pick-your-own sizes, and two is equivalent to one regular one. She gets a paper towel, bro. She puts it down, and she continues to watch the movie i very honestly say are you fucking kidding me here's the thing it's a fifteen thousand dollar rug on top of hardwood floor it's gonna it's gonna make a mess
0: yeah and mildew mold mold uh uh, you know and many other things yeah
1: like at midnight and you know a good (laughs) basketball player Uh, (laughs) callback uh she i got mad yeah i i and i said uh, and I said, "Are you kidding me? You need more towels. It's 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 that it, you we you got a mess." Yeah. Now, I didn't say, I I was angry, and yeah, I was angry, there was a subtext that wasn't obvious, and that is that I know about moldy pads and, and, and rotten floors, so I got maybe a little more angry than somebody else, but maybe there was a little bit of resentment in the relationship already, and also, she gave me an oops, and I gave her time to say, thanks for holding the door open for me, so John, all he sees is someone make an accident, and this new friend of his that he got in trouble with in Angels and Demons, like we were in high school, and they had to separate us, heard me say, get a fucking towel, now, I shouldn't have talked to her like that, but at the same time. You know, get a fucking towel. So John thought I was uh, I was uh, abusive, um, which I wasn't. I mean, she I was living there. This girl at the time was living with another aunt of mine. It's like the only rules we have are take care of my aunt's houses. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and incidentally, if you spill something, clean it up. G A F T. Yep. Do you know what G A F T stands for?
3: No. What is it? Get a fucking get towel. towel. Okay, That's right. Get a towel. <laughs>
1: so yeah, John thought that John didn't say anything. We just continued to watch Thirty Days a Night. And then I don't hear from him for a year. (laughs) (laughs) Every now and then I would touch base. You know, we would both make our own uh, YouTube videos. And I would say, hey, man, that's a funny video. And he would just say, thanks. It's like, Jesus, John. Wow. Yeah. And And now he's the loser and I'm the fucking guy that's the guy, you
2: know? How do you you fix fights between friends like riffs? Like... Uh, his
1: his now wife Allison said because John and I really liked each other and I say like not that we still don't but even then right away we just hit it off we just have connection right away yeah I think he's so funny and I know he thinks I'm funny and right away we just were joking with each other and Allison his now his now fiance then girlfriend knew this because John would talk about me all the time the first couple weeks we met before he thought I hit my my ex girlfriend um and again I, for comedy i was talking about the fuck she i handle it right so this i did it right anyway uh she's like whatever happened to that guy i think john said that at the time he didn't have many friends here for whatever it was i'm not sure and whatever happened to me she was asking he's like i think he hits his girlfriend and she's like why would you think that and then john told her the story and she said that doesn't sound like he hits his girlfriend so so he he over a year later, he says, hey, man, do you want to come over? And I'm pumped because I love his videos, you know? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, man. And we come over, and he's like, yes, I I just thought you hit. By the way, he didn't say, do you hit your girlfriend? He just said, I thought you hit your girlfriend, which means he realized that I didn't without me being part of it. So I don't know what research he was doing to realize that wasn't the case, but he thought something and then didn't think it a year later with no new information, which is like the worst detective ever. He's like, guilty. And then a year later, he's like, never mind. Um, But she said, you should give him a call again. And then I came over. And uh, we just hit it off, and next thing you know, you know, you know, over—I oh, think about fifteen hundred YouTube subscribers. <laughs> Which, Dad, I know you're not good with numbers. That's not a lot of YouTube subscribers.
3: <laughs> I think about two hundred of them are me.
0: <laughs> He's killing it, man. Oh man, give your dad the mic. <laughs> Turn this podcast over. Uh Okay, I want to talk about your, your comments. Let's just
1: hold on a second. Let's dissect that joke. That means my dad created 200 <laughs> <know>. YouTube accounts <laughs> with 200 uh, 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 different addresses. Yeah. And then subscribed. Do you know how much work that is?
3: Do you know how much work it was for me to go door to door in the city of Cleveland, Ohio, to have people watch Undateable every Thursday night? <laughs> <laughs>
1: they went door to door. My mom asked if, I could, if she could have some T-shirts because they gave us T-shirts to pass out, and I sent her 10. She only asked for a few, and, and we had a ton, so I just sent a ten. Then she realized, oh, we could just get a whole bunch of T-shirts. Could you send me, like, 40 more? And she just gives them to people. Really? She sells perfume, and she's good. Uh, and she goes, to, at the mall, she brings T-shirts, and she's like, listen, if you guys want a good perfume, know that I'm a celebrity's mother, and I will give you this undateable T-shirt. Watch the show. She tells me people come back and buy more perfume. And said, I watch the show. It's very funny. Which one's your son? And she could say, he's the one that doesn't talk. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what was... Uh, Oh, I'll get to that in a little bit, Jeremiah. But also uh,
1: also on the on the cue cards. <laughs> you're
0: you're starting your questions and yeah. then I
3: think Yeah. It's Jeremiah's turn for question.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I want to talk to you about your comedy just briefly. Sure. Uh, we'll get to some other stuff. When you how would, you, how would you describe your comedy to somebody that has never seen you before? I've
1: never been good
0: at selling it. Uh, on stage, I love what I do,
1: but I've never been good at explaining it to people. Um, the best way I, I do is say, please come watch me. Um, yeah. But, I, I mean, without comparing myself to other comics for two reasons. One, I don't think I'm necessarily like them, and two, they didn't inspire me because I didn't really get introduced to their comedy until after I started. But I would right. say a combination between um, Chevy Chase... And
0: uh, uh, what's his name? Who everyone says I'm like? Who I can't remember his name. Andy Kaufman. Reason. Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Um, do you ever get frustrated by that comparison? Like he's just tr- he's trying to do this, and you're like, well, I, I'm just doing me. No, I, I don't get. I, I never felt that people
1: thought I was trying to do something. Yeah. Um, if people, whenever I've been compared to Andy Kaufman, I didn't feel like uh, people thought, oh, he's just doing what Andy already did. I think they're saying oh, this guy is doing something that the audience isn't necessarily in on. He reminds me of Andy Kaufman. Right. And for that, I agree. The uh, difference is, uh, us difference is, um, Andy Kaufman, it seemed like, didn't want people in on it. Um, I am not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes when I do stuff. I'm also not doing anything to wink into the camera to let them know. They're either going to know or they're not, and I'm not going to put any work into defining anything. But I do like it when people laugh. Um, I, uh, Bill Lawrence saw Brent and I at the improv uh, the, night, the day we met him, and that's where we were introduced to him and vice versa, and he liked our comedy, we ended up playing basketball together, he asked us to come in for the show, that's ultimately how we booked the show. Uh, what Bill said to me, uh, of why he thought of me for this character, is that I'm very comfortable in uncomfortable moments. What he meant by that is I didn't get affected by bombing is what I take out of it. Um, <laughs> and I don't think it's bombing. Uh, I, I, I don't, my priority f- for an audience isn't to get them to laugh. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a way where I'm um, being self-deprecating or I don't think it's important to laugh or I can't get laughs or, or if they laugh then it's cheap. When I, I, I think it's just to get them engaged and to get them to listen and to like it. Um, and you, you and I, I don't think we have the same, we've talked about this before. We don't have the same style at all, but what we do have in common is we, people don't know who we are right away while we're on stage. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so if people don't know who we are, they don't know if, if, if we're joking, if we're weird, if we're dumb, if we're messing around with them, if we're pranking them. Um, and Andy Kaufman, I felt like he let people know who he was but he was lying. He told the audience, this is who I am, and that wasn't who he was. Right. So as far as the audience was concerned, they knew exactly what they were getting into. They were just wrong about what they were getting into uh, until they saw him multiple times, either getting what he did, seeing multiple characters that contradicted each other and realized, oh, this is all a joke. Um, I I want people to enjoy what I do and to know who I am without me telling them, and that's so hard, and I think I'm just now figuring out how to do it without being able to do it well yet.
0: Yeah. Um, well, you just did a weekend with Ron Funches in Atlanta? What yeah. Was it? How was that? Awesome. And uh, you probably got to do a little bit more time and yeah, that kind
1: well, of thing. I, 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 I was with a girl, after this girl that John thought I beat, I was with a different girl who is amazing. <laughs> um, we ended a break. we broke up uh, about four months ago. And after we broke up, I started writing in a diary as just a way of like, dealing with it. Just, it's a cliche, but I I heard about it and and I had a lot of thoughts so I started writing in it. And as I was writing in it, I developed a new style that I I wanted to, I wanted to capitalize on. I was very sad, still am, but I was having a hard time and I wanted to make something out of it. So I thought, well, I'm creating this stuff in this notebook. Let me try it on stage. And for the past four or so months, uh, maybe five months now, I've been doing something a little different. I've been telling true stories, which is something different than what you and I do. It's they know who I am right away. And yeah. it's, harder, it's hard to do – it's hard to fuck around and then be like, oh, and by the way, you know, my grandmother, you know, is not doing – you know, it's like, is he kidding at this point? So oh, totally. So right now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of focusing on storytelling and trying to either supplement my other style or let my other style supplement this. Um, and I'm really liking it, and it's really hard. It's a big step back. But uh, this weekend when I was with Funches, who's unbelievable, I was doing 25-minute um, sets, and I was just telling – I was basically this one story that's over 20 minutes, and I just told it, and I, I loved it. It's great. It's, um, I don't know what I like more, though. I find the storytelling more challenging, but the other stuff I feel like is more, uh, there's not many people like you, and that's a good thing. And I feel the same about me. I feel like had I not been the weirdo that I've been, I may not have been on this show that I'm on right now. Yeah. But at the same time, I want to, I don't know, I want to be able to grow, and it's tough to do what we do for an hour.
0: Yeah, well, it's one of those things where that's what I'm I'm constantly trying to find that balance of cuz I do have personal stories and stuff, but w- if a set starts to go in a certain direction, you can't just drop in. So I have this you relationship can. with my my you mom. You can. Well, you can. You just don't know how yet. Right. Like same. Yeah. You, you just get stuck where it's, like, this certain energy, and, right. uh, yeah, same with me. I'm slowly finding out how to transition in and out of that, but, yeah, it's freaking difficult. Well, here's the thing. Difficult. Here's the thing. That certain
1: energy that you're talking about is what you feel like what the room is, so you have to continue, which is which really contradicts the other stuff that we do, and I don't mean to say we as in putting it on you. I just notice this about you, so I'll speak about myself, but yeah. uh, I love to play with energies. Um, I like to create a situation to, mm-hmm. to work in it. Uh, either make people think that I'm racist or make people think that I stutter or make people think that I don't know what I'm doing, make people feel like I'm nervous, make people think it's my first time, make people think I'm overconfident, make people think all I care about is fucking girls, whatever it is, I like to create a situation so they think they know who I am and then play within that. Um, And that is moving energies all over the place. But now, a lot of people say that it takes so much balls and, and you have to, it's so brave to do that kind of thing because you know, people don't like it and people don't get it and you're not getting the response you want. But the truth is, I'm, I'm comfortable in that. To go outside of your comfort zone, it doesn't mean to put your hand in hot water. If you're comfortable putting your hand in hot water, it's not outside your comfort zone. And doing weird stuff is within my comfort zone. What I realized was outside of my comfort zone was being completely vulnerable as to showing a little vulnerability and then be having a character behind it. So when I'm being, telling this true story... And like you're saying, and we have this one energy. Now it's hard to change energies because we already set the energy. Incidentally, if we're doing that other thing, we have fifty different energies. And the most fun part is changing the energy. Yeah. So why is it hard to set one energy and then switch it? I don't know. I'm just kind of getting into that. Yep. But it's 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 a puzzle. It's uh, a lot of the comedy of the other style that I would do is very deconstructing, very much deconstructing and playing within within cadences and and tropes and and sayings and 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 things that people think and say, um, and I've realized that now telling more personal stories and trying to bring that other stuff in, it's the same puzzle, but now I just have to take them along with the ride instead of them letting them trust me that I know what I'm doing, and that is the hardest part to me, um, and it, it has made me now, not that I've ever not been excited about stand-up, but I've recently been, I, I feel like I found a new, a new video game that I suck at. And it's like great. Now I have a whole new game that I get to learn. Out. It's like yeah. had I never played Zelda or Final Fantasy, and now someone said, "Here's Zelda and Final." Th- oh, here's going to be a game that I'm going to love, and I have to get good at. So I'm really excited about it. But I'm definitely worse than I've ever been right now.
0: But well, it's a new exciting chapter. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, man. Very political way to 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 cap that. A new exciting chapter is that was good. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, man.
3: Yeah, no, I feel it, it's it a is. new exciting chapter. It
0: is. Have
2: you not seen you perform?
3: Several times over the last seven or eight years, yes.
2: Rate it from one to
3: ten, his performances.
2: He's
1: not good at numbers, but. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm not really good at numbers, and I've seen him perform a lot. I, I've seen him grow from when he used to do five minutes at the Cuyahoga Falls Comedy Club <laughs> to, you know, doing that undateable tour that they just went on with everybody else on the whole East Coast, all right? He's matured. He's. You know, I'm biased. All right, a lot of his comedy people don't understand at first, and my wife and I will sit there and we'll laugh our asses off. And people, what are they laughing at? And and he's hysterical. And I think more of the mainstream is finally catching on to him. And uh, I think I'll be very happy in retirement.
0: <laughs> <So> <laughs> now I'm that's a, a good political <laughs> answer. Yeah, no, it right is there. good. What, <laughs> what was the? Uh, yeah, that on Tour the... tour
1: was ridiculous. Yeah, that was so great.
0: Yeah, that now that was with D'Elia, Funches, you, and Brent, right? Right,
1: and Bill Lawrence hosted it. And really? yeah, he host, I did not know that. He hosted, we did 10 cities, uh, finishing off in L.A. at the Avalon. And Bill hosted, then brought up Ron, uh, and then me, and then Brent, and then Chris. And it was awesome. All of us destroyed every show. And, um, sold out. yeah, sold out shows, and it was just an unbelievable experience. I mean... Bill Lawrence is amazing, and he got Warner Brothers to, to, to agree for us to do this promotion. So what he decided to do was go to 10 cities and perform to do a grassroots uh, marketing uh, approach. But the 10 cities that he picked were the biggest NBC affiliates. So we went to Chicago, we went to D.C., we went to New York, we went to, uh, you know, to, to, uh, to Dallas, Philadelphia, uh, all these big cities. So we would do shows at night and in the morning go to the to the affiliates and introduce ourselves and – shoot bumpers and say, hey, if you guys ever want us to fly out to say, watch the local blah, 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 we'll do it. Let us know what you want. Bill's like, let's be honest. It's a competitive thing out there, and we want to put a face to the name. We want us to like you and you to like us, and here we are and performing and come out and check us. It was He's so good. Um, and along the way, we were selling out shows, uh, mostly in part to you know, people just want to see Chris D'Elia, honestly. Sure. Uh, a lot of people were already fans of his and then became fans of us. And then... Uh, Bill decided to – I think he put his own money into it also because we flew. I never traveled like that. We flew either private or first class, staying in the Four Seasons. Bill bought Ron and me a massage one night. I mean, (laughs) it was just – Eating awesome, flying awesome, doing sold-out shows. It was like we were on a hit show, and the show had never come out. Right. He just, Bill is amazing. You really believed in the show. So, yeah, so I'm on the road with, you know, I met Chris when I first moved out here. Chris introduced me to Brent. Right when I met Ron, we became, like, best friends. I'm on the road with my best friends doing stand-up
0: at sold-out shows. It was just an unbelievable experience. How would you say you're, like, since since Undateable premiered and since you shot it how would you say your life changed as far as comedically and just
1: life in general comedically it hasn't changed that much different than than the year before you know you just grow every year i yeah. don't feel like I, I don't feel like being on Undateable as a stand-up comedian necessarily helped me grow maybe it did i don't know i've definitely grown a lot in the past year you, but probably the year helped before with as some, well
0: i mean you've never had a problem with confidence on stage but do you think it was <laughs> that extra No I've,
1: it's it's been it, actually i feel like i was confident more before because you can I take always, a little bit more risks, would you I say? always felt that I was an underdog, and no, I, I got a lot, I don't know about you, but I have gotten and get a ton of shit. People don't like what I do, they say what I do isn't good, they don't get it, do jokes, you're not funny, you're just weird, um, and I, that always helped me, because I was going up on stage, I felt, whether or not it was the case, I felt like, these people don't like me, watch this. Yeah. I always felt that way. And then I got a show, and I feel like the people that would give me shit, a lot of comics, not a lot, but people give you shit, you sure. know? And I feel like they, to their in their mind, that I was validated. Now they're like, "Oh, maybe he's doing something right. He's on a show." And not that not that anybody changed drastically, but they were nicer. They were. I noticed them starting to laugh at my stuff. I saw them telling other people they got to see me. So I'm up there, and I. It's not necessarily I feel pressure to do well for in front of anybody. Not that I don't, but no more pressure than I ever felt. It's just that you know when you're an underdog, it's just like fuck you. Watch this. Yeah. And then when it's like people are already like you. Not saying that people like me, but it's more. of... Anyway, you know, it's it's like people say, if you're the wolf on top, the only way down is down. Uh, not that I'm on top by any means, but I feel like people already like me now, so I'm like, oh no, uh, now I have to keep doing that instead of experimenting more because you I want to go ke-
2: in with this fuck you attitude.
1: I can't go in the fuck you attitude. Uh, I, I, and also, now I'm getting more spots because these people like me, so like come do my show, and I'm liking that because I'm getting more stage time. And now I'm thinking, well, I want to continue that and. Before, I would experiment and, and do so poorly so many times, but I would develop because of it, and it was always for me. Uh, nobody came out to see me. Nobody. I wasn't getting booked that much, so if I failed, it was just the only thing that sucked was a drive home that night. But now I feel like if people are asking me to do their show, people come out to see me. Now I have a responsibility to the bookers, to the venue, to the show. It's like I can't go up there and just fucking jerk off for 20 minutes and hope that I find something that makes me come. you know? Uh, and that's... That's what I've done my whole life.
0: <laughs> no, but that,
1: I, find, I, I, I write down tons of ideas and premises, but I write them on stage. And I want to have, and I still do, but I force myself. I don't have that same confidence of I'm up here by myself and this audience is my canvas. I now feel like I'm painting them and I'm going to give them the picture at Six Flags and they paid for it. They better enjoy this. And that helps because it's like it forces me to bring my A game, but it doesn't let me be that mentality doesn't allow me to be as creative. So I'm forcing myself at certain shows to be like, fuck it, just go up there and improvise and make stuff up and try weird stuff. But I have to like, get myself in the zone. I listen to uh, you know Borella's Brave a lot uh, before <laughs> I go up because that song, I like the beat, but also it's like, let me just do this for me. Because yeah. I'm not at a point now where people are coming to see. I, I, whenever anyone says you know, Undateable's Rick Glassman on their show, for like any local show or whatever, if they put my face on, I ask them to take it off because I don't want anybody to come to see me because I feel like, listen, there's a, there's a great chance they're going to be disappointed and let them be disappointed and not know that they were there to see me. You know what I mean? Let me just go up there and like, oh, Rick's here. Oof, what was that? As opposed to, I want to go see Rick and what was that? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah it, it changes whenever, like you said, whenever there's actual fans that are – Right. There's more of a responsibility to give them a certain – at least an idea of what they think that you're representing. Right, because they seen me and they became a fan, and I'm grateful, and that's great, and you want to keep doing that. But
1: the reason they saw me and were were a fan of mine is because they saw the end result of me being bad for two years. They saw me try shit, be weird, mess up, do poorly, get insulted, feel horrible, and then, I oh, I think I figured it out. Now watch this. They see that. Now if they want to see that again, you're going to have to let me fuck up for a while. Yeah. You know? And that, like a lot of people say, where did this person come from? About a band, an actor, a comedian, an athlete, anybody. And they think they just popped off. Sam Smith is huge now. I'm a huge fan, by the way. People are like, well, he came out of nowhere. No, he's been doing it forever. You just never heard of him. You know what I mean? Yep. And I feel like I'm now at that point, the very, very, one step up of the very, very bottom. I was at the bottom. and now took one little step. And people are like, oh, I like this guy. They saw me at Adam Dines' house party. They see, see me on tour, whatever they see me. I want to see more. And it's like, I'm not there yet. You know, I just need you to know that. I'll even sometimes go up on stage and be like, hey, guys, I appreciate you liking me. I'm sorry in advance. And then, you know, then I'll start. <laughs> then start the yeah. Awesome. But you're the same. You know, you, you, you're, you're funniest when you think you're funny. And you think you're funny when you feel free. And when you feel free, you have no idea what you're going to do. Yep. You know? And we got to get good at, at consistently feeling free. And that's a very hard art because there's no script to it. I
0: know there's not a set path to Mm -mm. feeling free. Mm -mm. Yeah,
1: no. Except for listening to is Brave, the stars have to be (laughs) aligned. You know, you have to feel that energy, and then it's it's tough. Next set, you
0: see me in the back of the room. You're like Jeremiah, what are you listening to? I'm like, don't worry about (laughs) it. And I'll go like, same, (laughs) same. (laughs) Uh, We're getting close toward. uh, We're creeping towards the uh, the finish line of this podcast, but we want to do a segment that we always do. Uh, Justin, you want to take it?
2: All right. This is called the Hollywood Bitch Lap. Ah. It's just. Uh,
1: uh, I want, just want the audience at home to know um, they did their own effects.
0: Yep. <laughs> I'm uh, sure
1: you knew. Uh, but, you know, a lot of radio stations would push a button for that. They just went. Whoosh, ah, like they, they had done it too many times and they were, this is their last.
2: <laughs> it's basically any time in Hollywood where Hollywood has bitch slapped you, a bad audition, but just any uh, agent experience, any time okay. someone told you you're not good.
0: It, it just needs to be one specific moment because some people are like oh it's been my life while i've been out
1: here um it could be I'm any sure specific a f- a whole story bunch. uh i could think of two one is a long story and i don't know if i'm comfortable telling it um uh fuck, it's such a funny story it's too if you have me on again maybe we'll talk about this it's too long of a story it, how how long are we talking uh i'll need five to ten and i don't i don't even know if i want to tell it because it's holy i was in the wrong um
0: <laughs> Let, we gotta talk no about i'm, it I'm not
1: I, for real i i know i'm setting this up like hey you guys want to see me play the piano and then i'm not playing the piano but like i'm not playing the piano okay, right you, yeah um then the other one just is i didn't even, i just the only reason this is in my mind it's only a sentence i just found a tweet i was looking through old tweets and i found it it was over four years ago um it was a commercial audition and they asked uh, us in the hallway um could anybody do a a, a, a british accent and I said, kind of, but it's not great. They said, don't even worry about it. Uh, and then he walked on, and it made me think, I'm new. I never booked anything before. I just started auditioning. Commercial auditions are still auditions, and it's nerve-wracking. Um, and I thought to myself, I fucked up. I should have just said, yes, I do it. And if they didn't like it, then they didn't like it. But I shouldn't have let them know I have a weakness. And now I'm like, fuck, I should just do a British accent. And then, uh, and then other people were going in and going in. And, and, uh, and then, I find, then I went in, and... Uh, I started. You're doing it with, with I'm doing it with a girl, and then we do one take, and then, then it was really funny, and they liked it a lot. And then I'm like, I got this. Um, so then they said, All right, do you, uh, What do you guys think? And I said, I think we should do it one more time. And they said, Okay. Um, and then the girl says her line, and I say my line, and then we go. It's it's about it takes about 40 seconds, and then halfway through, I just switch into a bad Cockney accent, like this, <laughs> like this, just so I let them know. I don't know how to do it, and. Uh, this is the, only, the first and only time anyone's ever stopped an audition I was in. Uh, this, uh, he said, uh, uh, the guy behind the camera said, what the fuck are you doing? Mad. Not comedy. What the fuck are you doing? He said, what? He, he stopped the audition and said, what the fuck are you doing? And I said, uh, and I, at this point, I'm, I'm feeling funny, so it doesn't matter anymore. I said, I wanted to show you what I could do <laughs> for an Xbox commercial. <laughs> Oh, can I tell tell one more? I just thought of a better one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, You know, Andrew Santino. uh, Have you guys had him on?
0: No, we love Andrew, though. All
1: right. So I have this. uh, I have this callback. Uh, A callback is it's the last step before an audition. If they like you, then you have another audition, and this is in front of the producers or the directors, and they know right away this guy has it or this guy doesn't. So I have this callback, and Andrew comes over, and we're just playing. We play with cameras. We make videos all the time. So we decided let's document this. I have a wireless uh, microphone uh, from a sketch that we had did the day before, so I'm laved up. I have the wireless mic on me, and uh, and Andrew <laughs> Andrew has a camera. So uh, uh, I'm in bed. We set it up. Where Andrew comes in. Hey, Rick, wake up! You got your audition today. And I get out of bed and it's like, oh, it's good. what are you doing with the camera? He's like, come on, man, let's do this. So we follow. So we go. We go to Rite Aid. He follows me all around Rite Aid for some footage that obviously we never edited. There's way too much stuff. Yeah. Um, just, there's there's over an hour of footage for this bullshit. <laughs> So he's following me. He's like, Are You nervous? And I'm not playing up for the camera. It's just like, No, man. I mean, we do this all the time. This is funny. It's funny that you're taping this. We're playing it very real. Going to the waiting room, we can't have this big camera. So I'm laved up. We sync it. And Andrew is now filming with his iPhone. Um, so now the camera's on me, there's an iPhone. And uh, I'm just, there's so many pretty, you know, auditions, it's just odd looking guys and, and hot girls. So I'm just asking all the girls if they're in SAG. Uh, uh, and, th- that's, and, and they're just like creeped out by me. But but I'm playing, I'm not playing creepy, I'm playing just naive. So they're like, yeah, I'm like, very cool, very cool, very cool. Very cool, very
0: cool. I'm
1: not nervous for this at all, but like, that's fucking, I wanna get in this union, dude. So, so, Mike's on, Andrew's, Andrew, I, I looked later, I didn't realize it, but Andrew, while I go in, is taping the other girls, and all the girls are giving the worst looks about me like who the fuck is this guy is are you in sag like that's a pickup line so we go in and this is another audition with a girl and in my head there's two things going on there's a potential commercial you make twenty five thousand dollars and there's making santino laugh at the time i had no money i also still realize most important thing is make your friend laugh so it wasn't about the audition anymore so they say, uh, it's, it's just uh, we're playing husband and wife, and there's a dishwasher genie coming in, and she's like, hey, what's going on here, and blah, 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 blah. So we do it, and the director says, could you make it more flirtatious? I don't want you to, you know, make it like you want to have sex with your wife. Like, I want to see that. And I, uh, and I go, all right, I think I get it. Um, and then he goes, he says, action. And then I, she says her line, and I said, i got to be honest with you, sweetheart. I really want to fuck you. And then I did my line. Uh, and then I just kept doing it. She was, she was so thrown off, and I did not expect this. The director lost it laughing, <laughs> laughing so hard. So then, then he says, all right, man, that's funny, but don't say I want to fuck you. I said, what should I say? Just like, like, is something else instead of fuck? And then he's like, no, man, just. And then I cut him off. I'm like, don't worry. I got it. Action. I said action. And then, and then I look at her, and I just, I just say my lines, but I'm just like really, really flirtatious. Um, and he laughed. I didn't get it. Uh, the funniest part about that to me is that I said action. <laughs> to say action is the most dick thing you could do. And it, that's the only, the only job the director has in that room at the time is to say action. And I cut him off giving me direction. I said, I got it, bro. Action. Listen, we got to do that, you know, whatever. Um... I thought that was so funny I should edit that <laughs> <laughs> and that's the uh,
0: <laughs> 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 Hollywood bitch slap yeah. dude uh, thank you so much for coming by doing the show uh, now's a good chance to plug any social media or anything that you want to Twitter Twitter and Instagram and Vine uh,
1: it's all at Rick Glassman G-L-A-S-S-M-A-N um, and check out uh, Waltz and mine um, our, our sketches thatguyandhisfriend.com yeah my dad has a Twitter account. Hold oh,
3: Let him plug it. Steve Glassman1 at Twitter. Hit me up. Johnny Manziel. It's
1: not at Twitter, by the way. <laughs> it's at Steve Glassman.
0: <laughs>
1: like it's an email address. <laughs> and you just did an inside reference. I went home. Uh, I went home to, uh, to Cleveland to promote Undatable and I was on the news and I was just I spent every uh, I spent all my time talking about the Browns player Johnny Menzel and to tweet at me uh, and it was funny because I'm in Cleveland and that's what it is nobody listening to you knows that thing and my dad just said at Johnny Menzel because he associated Twitter and me four months ago and Johnny Menzel together so follow my dad at Johnny Menzel <laughs> uh, thank you for having me man this is cool yeah, Love you guys
0: thank you and uh, yeah we're excited for Undateable season 2 when does it premiere don't have an air date yet we're
1: uh, sometime in the spring. We're thinking probably January, February, March area. Awesome. Looking forward to it, buddy. Thanks, guys.